What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hindsightless, the once again totally sporadic podcast where I talk about life, role-playing games, or whatever else might be running around inside of my head. But mostly role-playing games, because they're awesome, and they are a bastion of light in a fairly dark world. That's right, we're kicking off the show today with some more sports ball talk. Because the Warriors just proved yet again that they're the best team in the history of the NBA. I mean, it, it's it's really not close. The only thing you could argue is maybe the Warrior. See, <laughs> you could argue maybe the Bulls at their prime, maybe. But Clay Thompson is twice, three times as good as Scottie Pippen ever was. Uh, Draymond Green is way better than Dennis Rodman or Bill Paxton. Like, Jordan Poole is probably better than Steve Kerr. The only argument you could make is you might be able to argue that Jordan is better than Steph Curry. I mean, Curry is a much better shooter. But (laughs) Jordan got more calls? I don't know. But yeah, so the Warriors trounced the Mavericks, beat them 3 to 1, won the Western Conference NBA Finals on their way to the finals for the first time in 2 years after crazy injuries to their best two players, two of the best players to ever play the game, period. One Clay Thompson was out for 2 years, he's back. Steph Curry was out for about a year and a half, he's back. It's it it's amazing man they are they're really something special it's it's very very cool you know i've i've been a warriors fan not my whole life but for a long time and especially uh since the sonics moved away warriors were my second favorite team and then the sonics moved away and then they became my first favorite team and it's just man it's been a crazy ride The Warriors only won 15 games out of an 82-game season three years ago. And this year, they're back to the finals, man. That's that's fantastic. Man. So, yeah. What are we going to talk about today other than sports balls? I don't really have any calls, which is, that's fine. Um, But, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about... The, the new campaign I have in mind that I want to run. We'll talk about learning new stuff about games you're very familiar with. And yeah, who knows? Who knows where it'll take us? Anyway, let's, uh, let's get into the show. I was talking with my buddy the other day, my buddy Woody, and he asked me, you know, What's the next homebrew campaign you're going to run? And it's funny that he asked me that because I'd really been thinking about it lately. Because I'm having a blast running Wrath of the Righteous. I'm super excited to run the whole goddamn thing. Uh, But I definitely do have the itch for a homebrew campaign. I just, I talked about it a little bit in a call in uh, Carl's most recent episode. But I just, I feel I'm a better dungeon master when I'm running homebrew than when I'm running pre-written stuff. Because for me, there's less prep work involved uh, for a homebrew game. And 
yeah, like especially with names and stuff. If it's names I'm coming up with on my own or coming up with on the fly, I'm much better at that than trying to remember all the names that you know the writer for these adventures have come up with. And it's like, God damn, what is this guy's name? Quedmire? No, it's Quedness. Quedness. Oh, through. I don't see. I don't fucking know because I didn't name him. So, you know, I, I was talking to him. I was like, I don't know, man. I really want to, but I don't know what game I'd use. And I was thinking about it, going through all the PDFs that I own, uh, reading through those. Well, not all of them, obviously. And I was thinking to myself, because this, this homebrew campaign won't start anytime soon, obviously. Like, I have to get moved and settled and all that shit figured out before I even decide to start running a campaign again. Um, So I was thinking to myself, by the time I finally get a chance to get this game started, we're going to be deep, like in the middle, if not past the middle of Wrath of the Righteous and shit's going to be going bananas and crazy and fighting gnarly demons and every power is going off all over the place. I think I'm going to want something a little, you know, a little ratcheted down a little bit to have a nice, a nice little taster there. You know, like I have a super awesome high power game and then a little lower, a little lower magic, maybe a little lower stakes or at least not as grand stakes probably. So I was flipping through my PDFs. I, I looked at OSE. I have the free rules for that. I read, I was reading through that. I was looking at Rules Cyclopedia, reading through that, and then I came across what I'm going to use, and I was like, oh yeah, I fucking love this game, and it's Beyond the Wall. (laughs) I haven't talked about it for a while, and I had honestly sort of put it out of my mind after we had played it last at an in-person game. We had played a couple sessions of it, but it was hit and miss. Um, and then we played the Jane Austen game with my home group and then my home group ended up moving away. So yeah, so I'd kind of put it out of my mind and I started reading it again. It was like, oh my God, I forgot how much I love this game. And so that's what I'm going to use. And I'm going to use it for all the reasons I've talked about before, but in case you're new to the show and never heard me talk about beyond the wall and other adventures before it's an amazing game by i believe flatland games i think that's right kind of old school D &D. you know they have the five saves and everything roll under your stats for most things it is ascending armor class and it's not a to hit matrix it's you have an attack bonus but you know so it's it's not old 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 school it's oldish school mixed with some newer ideas, some fresher ideas, some more efficient ideas. Um, and it's, it's a really fun game where if you're playing a campaign, you not only build all your characters together because the premise of the game is you are younger characters, which is why you're all first level uh, and you're all from the same village. And so if you're just running a one shot, the game works really well for one shots. You build your characters. And while you're building your characters, you also build the village. 
Because in order to build your characters, you roll on a bunch of different random tables that ask questions like, what happened in your childhood? How did you distinguish yourself as a mage? Or blah, 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 blah. And these uh, these charts are based on sort of which playbook you have, which is kind of an idea from Apocalypse World. So there are just three classes in the game of Beyond the Wall. There's Warrior, Wizard, and Rogue. But then there are a bunch of playbooks, which are kind of like... I don't know, templates that you put over top of those one of those three different professions and it differentiates them all from each other based on your charts and stuff. And what you roll give you, you know, a skill or a spell or a stat increase and stuff. (coughs) Excuse me. Really cool character creation. And while you're rolling on these tables, the game indicates when you need to like come up with an NPC or a location to add to the village. So that's awesome. And then if you're doing a campaign, because they have a campaign book out for it called Further Afield, um, you you build the campaign map together. So you go through in turns around the table, and each person picks gets to place a major location. You pick a direction, north, south, east, west, northwest, whatever, Uh, You pick a distance, close, which is between, like, 20 and 40 miles, moderate, which is between, like, 40 and 80 miles, or 60 miles, and far, which is beyond 60 or 80 miles, I forget right now. And then after you, you pick your location, where you want it, you roll a D8, and you get a different type of location, like a human settlement or ancient ruins, blah, blah, blah. And then you come up with a story hook for that location. And after that, the dungeon master, or I think it's actually referee in this case, will make a secret role uh, to see how accurate the character's knowledge is. And depending on the outcome of that role, what the carrot what the player says about the location may or may not be true where they say it is may or may not be true but it's a secret role so it it while it is a shared sandbox it also keeps some mystery for the players which is really really cool and another cool thing they do sorry i keep saying the word cool but i love this game is if you're running a campaign they have these things called threat packs which are basically just like the skeleton of a campaign and it gives you a few tables that you roll on and a couple different tools to help uh, basically sort of manage the campaign of what's going on. And it's just, it's rad, man. Like this game, I don't know what it is. I remember when Spencer first recommended it to me. Thanks again, Spencer, you rule. Um, Just reading through it the first time and being like, yes, I love everything about this. And then just, you know, the other day when I was flipping through thinking about what game should I play? You know, where should I go? What should my next homebrew game be? And just coming across it and falling back in love with it just made me really happy. So, yeah, that's that's what I got going on. Um, I, I, I can't wait to eventually get this started. But like I said, it's not going to be for months and I'm going to run a much lower tech campaign this time it'll be online uh because it has to be and uh 
I, I, I'll have a roll 20 set up for it, but just for like maps and pictures, I'm not going to do maps and minis at all. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know anything about who's going to be in the game or anything yet, but if folks want to roll real dice, you know, I'll probably be rolling real dice instead of rolling on real roll 20. Just keep it, keep it all low pro or low tech. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I can't wait for it. It sounds like a lot of fun and it's something else that I get to look forward to as far as, you know, the massive life change that I'm <laughs> going to be going through here in the next couple months. But, you know, I just thought I'd talk about that for a little bit cuz no calls today. It's just a, it's just a you and me episode, which that's kind of nice. So, what's next? Let's talk let's talk about some Let's talk about some stuff I learned recently about the Pathfinder rules, which is a game I say I know a lot about. But as we'll find out, we're always learning, aren't we? We're always learning as game masters and dungeon masters and referees and keepers and lore masters and whatever the hell you want to call us, right? You know, this is an ever-growing hobby that we're a part of, and our skills are constantly, hopefully, getting better. You know, we're working on trying to become the best that we can at what we do, and so it's good to... It's good to revisit the rules sometimes, right? Because you want to make sure your fundamentals are sound. You know, as my mom always used to tell me, she uh, was an English teacher. She would always talk about when it came to writing, you have to know the rules before you can start breaking the rules. Um, So you know how, when to break them and everything. And that's just solid goddamn advice. But, you know, it's all about getting back to the fundamentals sometimes. So I was just like, yeah, let me check some stuff out in the old Pathfinder rule book. <laughs> Let's see how close I'm hewing. Uh, and very close. There, there is two things um, that I have been doing wrong. And one of them was to the benefit of the players and the other one was to the detriment of the players. So it balances it out. Balances <laughs> itself out which is nice yeah things might be getting a little tougher for them in the wrath of the righteous campaign but that that's that's part of it that you know they'll strap up man they're 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 gonna come to play and it'll be fine it'll 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 work itself out man but i was just like there was a monster especially demons a lot of them have a certain ability and I just wanted to refresh myself on how this particular ability works. And I thought it took a lot longer than it did. I thought it was a whole turn, right? I thought they had to spend their whole turn doing it. No, they do not. It's just a standard action. And I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> Fucking sweet. That makes this ability way cooler for the monster. It actually makes it relatively useful. So that's good, you know, that benefited the players by me doing that wrong. Um, But then I was just kind of looking back through how experience and everything, you know, how many points you get for what 
level of stuff. And I was reminded <laughs> this is the one that sort of detrimented the party a little bit. I was reminded that when you're bucks bussing up XP awards for a group of five player characters, you still just divide by four, not five. <laughs> Whoops. So yeah. I apparently if you um if you really want to be a Pathfinder min-maxer, you got to find yourself a five-person group. That's the ideal because it's the most bang for your buck. You're still getting the same XP as you would for a four-person party. So there you go. There's a little there's a little Pathfinder lore. If it's six people in a group, you divide by six. I don't... <laughs> Why? Yeah, I don't know. Um, probably everyone's going to call and yell at me, but that's fine. You're right where <laughs> the players are still basically where they should be. It hasn't really made a difference now. It would eventually, but we're, we're, we're fine. We're totally fine. They'll be where they need to be by the time they need to be there. I'll be sure of it. It just might mean certain things are going to get a little spicier, <laughs> but that's good, right? You got to challenge them. You got to challenge them, and yeah, again, though, it's it's all about learning, right? It's all about constantly evolving, getting better at what we do, and finding new and fun ways to torment the people that we love, because that's that's what being a game master is. It's just being like, hey, guys, let's get fucking nuts tonight, right? And then everyone's like, oh, shit. And by the end of it, everyone's like, fuck, yeah, that was the best. That, that's what it's all about. That's what I'm all about is just just having a good time. I don't know. So remember, folks, no matter how many times you run in a game, no matter how confident you feel as a game's dungeon master, it never hurts to brush up on some of your fundamentals. You got to know the rules before you can break the rules. Yeah, so this is a fun little episode. Just, just the two of us together. Just a little intimate conversation. No, no callers or anything to deal with. It's, it's nice. It's been a while. It's nice. So, yeah, sorry to my players out there. <laughs> for my screw up like I said part of it was beneficial part of it was detrimental so it all kinds of balances out and uh, I, I uh, will get it straight moving forward I will get it straight moving forward because that was solely my mistake yeah so cool um, so th that's going to be the end of the gaming talk uh, so if you're if that's all you want you can turn it off now and that's cool uh, yeah, because it's it's Friday, the 27th of May, 2022, and it's it's been a terrible week for our country, and that's what I'm going to talk about. So, yeah, if you don't want to listen to it, take off. That's cool. Otherwise, okay. So I recorded this. I re-recorded this part, and I will keep it much shorter. As we all probably know by now, earlier this week in Texas, 
some piece of shit, fuckhead, murderous son of a bitch kid who, God, I wish he was still alive. Just anyway, I wish he wasn't alive before he did what he did. Walked into a school with a machine gun and shot a bunch of children and a couple teachers and murdered them. Yeah, I know it's not a machine gun. Let's not be pedantic. So, again, keep it short. The response from the Republican Party has been absolutely disgusting. It's always disgusting. It's just getting tiresome. Thoughts and prayers do nothing. Um, that's a proven fact. Thoughts and prayers do nothing. The idea that they're putting forward of arming the teachers? Are you serious? Is our government run by 12-year-old boys? That's the idea of a child. Oh, I got an idea. We'll give all the teachers guns, and then they could build sandbags around their desk, and it'll be so cool. They'll drive tanks to school, or maybe a helicopter. We'll be so safe. We'll kill all the bad guys. We'll be safe. That's, that's their plan. That's their best plan. The Republican Party actively works to thwart any type of sensible legislation that would keep kids safe from getting murdered by a gun. They refuse to because they are in the pocket of the NRA. They're little bitch boys to the NRA, which is just a cowardly ass organization that does no good. They're, they're, they propagate evil. They spend millions and millions and millions of dollars ensuring that these types of tragedies will continue to happen and these republican politicians happily take their money happily so yeah last thing i'll say is the fact that the police sat on their asses for over an hour while children died should be criminal it's not but it should be the fact that there were parents willing to go in there and do it for them but they were stopped some of them even handcuffed for trying to save their children while the cops just sat on their asses doing nothing and today at time of recording they're saying whoops my bad we made a mistake that's not how it was supposed to go. We made a mistake, yeah? Well, six kids died while you sat on your asses. How's that for a mistake? Yeah, so if you're in America, try not to get shot. It's dangerous out there, which is the way the Republicans want it. Uh, even though 90% of all Americans through all political spectrums want there to be sensible gun laws, 10%, get to dictate how the rest of the 90% of us live. That sounds reasonable, doesn't it? That sounds like America, doesn't it? Anyway, stay alive. Peace out. Okay, so I'm recording this again for the third time. Tone it way down, keep it short. As I'm sure we all know by now, some fuckface, murderous, piece of shit, worthless, terrible, terrible monster walked into a school with a machine gun 
and murdered a bunch of children and teachers. I know it's not a machine gun. It's, you know, whatever. The response from the Republican Party has been absolutely disgusting. It's, it's what a 12-year-old boy would say. It's how a 12-year-old boy would respond to this situation. The idea of arming teachers is so asinine as a solution that it's... The fact that there is any people out there that are like, oh, that, that sounds reasonable, is crazy. Seriously, that's what a 12-year-old would think of. You know what would be really cool? Is if we gave all the teachers guns and then we built sandbags and bases around their desk and then they could drive tanks to school and we'd have helicopters and we'd shoot all the bad guys and we'd totally be safe. That's how we'd be safe. Like, that's that's the logic there. Um, yeah, the fact that the Republican Party actively works to thwart any sort of reasonable gun legislation that would keep kids safe. Uh, this is this is the result of that. This is the direct result of that. Yeah, um, the NRA, they're an evil piece of shit organization that do no good in the world. Um, and yeah, the fact that a bunch of cops sat on their asses for over an hour while kids died should be criminal, but it's not. And instead, today, at time of recording, they said, whoops, my bad. We made a mistake. Yeah, that's where we're at. Despite the fact that 90% of all Americans, all Americans through all across the political spectrum, believe that there should be sensible gun regulations and gun laws, the NRA spends millions and millions of dollars to prevent that from happening. And it's not about protecting your rights. Don't don't get that twisted for a second. It has nothing to do with that. That's a huge lie and a myth uh, that 10% of the population buys into. And that 10% gets to dictate how the rest, the 90% live. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? If you think about it, is it 10% dictating what 90% do? Hmm. That, that don't sound right. But yeah. Um, it's awful. It's awful, awful, and this is what the Republican Party wants, and this is what they do. And they should be ashamed of themselves, but they're not. They're not, because they make money, and that's all they care about, money and power. And it's disgusting. And in this situation, <clears throat> it's not... It's not both sides are bad. It's both sides are doing it. It's not that. It's not that. That's 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 a fallacy. It's it's seriously the one party actively preventing sensible laws that would save lives from passing. And it's a shame. And it's infuriating. And that's it. So if you're in America, you know, try not to get shot. It's dangerous out there. Try and stay safe, but that's the way they want it. So, you know, just keep your head up. <laughs> keep an eye out. Uh, yeah. Until next time, everybody. Peace out.